Today's daf is daf samach. We are holding at the first Mishnah towards the bottom of Nuntes Amud Beis. So of daily Mishnah. Now, actually, most of the information contained with this in Mishnah in this Mishnah was already in an earlier Mishnah. There was discussing somebody brought his uh, produce into a field. The question is that the animal got damaged by the produce, the produce damaged the animal, and that Tosas uh, is bothered by that. Why do we have to li- literally recreate almost the exact same scenario? And Tosas discussing what could be the novelty. Take a look at Tosas, two options, what the novelty could be that was being taught by this Mishnah that is not mentioned in the, in the Mishnah before. But it says, A person piled up his grain in his friend's field, right? And he did without permission. So ostensibly he was trespassing. Comes along the, uh, the owner of the field's ox, right? And eats the uh, grain that was piled up by the trespasser. Potter. So the owner of the field does not have to pay because bottom line is the trespasser had no right to put it there, therefore the owner doesn't have to pay for it. The imhuska bahen, however, if the animal ate something that, oh, let's forget about it, the animal was damaged by the stack of grain, then bala gadish chayev, the one who piled it up, the trespasser has to pay. We had the shita of Rav, I believe it was earlier, that said that it specifically if the animal slipped on it or hurt itself from the grain. But if the animal ate it and got hurt through the eating, so then the owner of the stack can say, your animal shouldn't have eaten something that is not appropriate for it to be eating and I don't have, I'm not liable. So you'd have to say the same shot over here that was damaged by it as well. Now, okay. Vim, but we're reversing it here. This is we're not reversing it, same exact case. Vim higdish bershus, and if the, uh, if the, uh, uh, the, the, the person had permission, he asked permission, can I leave my stack here? Can I pile up my grain here? Then in such a case, Bala Sadechayev, the owner of the field, accepts himself full liability, which means that if the animal damages and eats the, uh, damages the grain, let's say, uh, then he has to pay the owner of the grain. And if the animal got damaged by the grain, then he doesn't, the, the owner of the grain will not have to be held liable because you accept and allow me to put it in, which means the liability shifts to the owner of the field. Which right away, the Gemara asks that this seems to be only going like one of the two opinions we had on the matter. We had an machlokas between Rebbe and the Chachamim that uh, the Chachamim sheet was that if you give someone permission to use your property, you uh, uh, are accepting uh, in a uh, uh, implicitly to also safeguard and take liability over it. Which Rebbe said, no, the fact that I'm allowing you to go ahead and utilize my property doesn't mean that I am therefore uh, taking responsibility, unless I explicitly say I am taking responsibility. And that was a machlokas tanoim we had before, which right now the Gemara says, the the way it is being worded over here, that yeah, he let him put it in, he let him pile it up, but never says that he explicitly said, I'll take responsibility. So this seems to be the Stam Mishnah over here, 
Even though it was a machlokas tanoyim earlier, in the earlier way, that when it talked about he brought his peros into the field, here it seems to be going specifically like the chachamim and not like the position of Rebbe, because here it says the owner, the owner of the field accepts liability, even though he never said explicitly, I will watch it. So that more as it says, Salema Tananda Lokarebi, it means to be that the Mishnah is being taught, which is interesting, Rabbeinah Kaddish was the redactor of the Mishnahis, but he taught this Mishnah specifically like the other Shita, which implies that that is going to be the Halacha. That's to stop Mishnah going like the other opinion. Rebbe, because according to the Shita of Rebbe, Ha'amar Lishmar, that the only time you say that the owner of the field, even if you let somebody use it, is going to be held liable, is if he says explicitly, and I will take responsibility for the for the grain that you're bringing in. But if he doesn't explicitly say it, you cannot hold him like, yeah, I let you keep it, but not on it's not my responsibility, it still becomes it still remains your responsibility. So the Gemara says, like and, and Tosvas actually says, and that could be what the novelty then of this would be. Yes, it was a machlokas before. The reason why it's written again is to teach you that it's a Stam Mishnah, not going like the sheet of Rebbe to tell you the halacha follows the Chacham. And that's one of Tosvas' answers. Amr of Papa. Papa says, you cannot bring me a proof over here that this is not going like Rebbe. Why? Because this is talking about a unique situation. The way Rashi learns it, it's a but the way Rashi learns a case like this, there used to be a custom when the, 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 the grain had been threshed. People needed a place to store their threshed grain. So there was a... Uh, a large area, I'm not clear exactly who owns it, it seems like almost like, like a publicly owned area, that jointly owned area, that the, the people keeping the grain there would pay a guard. And the guard now would take responsibility to safeguard the piles of grain of the multiple owners of the grain. He would take responsibility to make sure the grain has been safeguarded until they need to transport the threshed grain to whatever silos or wherever they're moving it on their own property. So what the, what the, 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 the Gemara is teaching us here, or at least the Mishnah is teaching us here, Rashi explains, according to the Sheet of Rebbe, even though Rebbe normally holds that when a person accepts allows utilization of his property, it doesn't automatically mean that he accepts responsibility. However, in this particular case where somebody is hired, that it's his job to safeguard and make sure the grain will be okay. So when you ask the watchman, can I leave my grain here? And he says yes, implicit in his acquiescence is what? You're gonna right. You're gonna have to pay him, but he has to. He's taking responsibility to watch it as well, and that's what's going on over here. So even though it says the owner of the field has to pay, but it doesn't really mean the owner of the field. It means for these for these purposes, who's considered to be the owner of the field? The watchman. That's how Rashi learns. And others learn that it's a lot more that it's talking about where the owner does own the field. That that's other Rishonim learn. But anyway, that's the shot of this. We're dealing with the watchman of the threshed grain, the grain that is being piled up by the different owners. The kevan the amarle ayelu gedosh. That once he tells the person bringing in the grain that you can pile it up. The right? Implicit in that statement is bring it in. And I will watch it. Even according to Rebbe, you don't need an explicit uh, 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 statement saying that I'm taking responsibility for it because of the job that what it entails. Let's go to the next Mishnah. Again, this is something that we dealt with multiple times early in the Masechta, and we're going to run through it quickly. Someone who sends fire, 
fire in the hands of someone who's either death mute, deranged, or he is a minor. Meaning, these are people that are incompetent. You put fire in the hands of someone who's incompetent. Adam. If that person causes a fire, so you are Adam. It's called grama. It's an indirect damage. You didn't directly cause the damage. It was indirect. However, in Shamayim, you are going to be held responsible. Again, what that means, there's different um, uh, opinions in the in the in the post game. What does it mean if you're chayv din shemaim? Does it mean if somebody seizes the acid from you, you can't get it back, or it means no, they don't have a right to do it? But it means you know I, you cannot be sued in a court of law to pay for the damages that were caused. So you're the one, the one who can't be sued is the guy who gave the cotton the fire. Yeah, the cotton can't be held responsible because is uh right right now. Says more like this. Uh, now, if you gave it into the hands of a person that is pikech, that he is competent, the person that has the capacity to understand what's going on, then then the, the one who becomes accepts full responsibility is the pikech. Now, and the before we speak out over here is that even though he might be acting as your agent, but ain't shlechet varavera. Right? It's an Aveira to cause somebody damage. And therefore, you can't say, oh, it's you. he's your agent. You No, we don't say that. In fact, uh, there's a whole discussion. A person who damages someone, is it just a financial responsibility or are you actually over an Isser? So the... the um the, what's his name? Uh, the stipler wants to bring a proof from here. You see clearly this is the source that it's considered to be an Isser. Because otherwise, how does, what does it have to do with Ein Shlech Aveira? So you see, since it's Angelica Dvaravera and the person who's completely responsible is the, the person you handed it to, and it doesn't consider the agency going back to you because it's an Avera, what happened, and therefore the laws of Angelica Dvaravera apply. You see, it's an Isser to cause somebody damage. What exactly the Isser is, that's already a discussion in the commentaries. Is it Gzela? Is it part of Hashavah Sadeh? What exactly is the prohibition? I said that Pekeach is the one who is liable for causing the fire, yeah. but who's the one in the Isser? The one who gave him the fire? No, no. The, the, one who, the, 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 the one who caused the fire. Okay, so he gets two ways. It's an Isser and it's a... And he's a well, the, you're responsible to pay for it, like Zayla. It's like you stole. Right. Right, it's, it's the financial required responsibility derived is, is the source of it because you created it, you did an iser. Right. All right. Now let's go weiter. Now we have here a situation where there's going to be multiple people involved. Now the first person brought a fire. Now the way we have to understand it, the fire that he brought initially without an accelerant, what would have happened? It would have just gone out. Normally you have, a, you start a little fire, right? You, you know, see those survival shows, you know, and you have to bring, like, you have to feed it. You have to give an accelerant. So he brought the fire. The second guy went and added the wood. All right? And we're going to see that he also fanned it because you have to actually also have wood. And he did, the second guy did it. Now the one, the, the original fire came from the first guy, Ruvain. Shimon was the one who brought the wood and also fanned it in order that it should catch, Right? Now, if that fire went and damaged the next door neighbor, the person who is responsible is the person who was the last one involved, that brought, the one who brought the accelerant that caused it to become a fire. Because if he wouldn't have brought the wood, what would have happened? Correct. Now, let's make it three people. Echad Havias Aetzim, all right? One guy brought the fire, uh, the wood. And the second one brought the, the fire. However, on its own, if without it being fanned, it still would have gone out. 
All right. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I jumped the case. So now, the second, the, the, the second one is, the first guy brought the wood, the second guy brought the fire. It means the accelerant was already there, the fire was there, the, 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 the wood was there, the second one brought the fire. Now, in such a case, it's what he is adding, he added it to the wood, and or he also fanned it, we're going to say, and he caused it to become a fire. So even though, so you, the one who, the order is very important, it's the last one, that causes it to become the fire that goes out and damages the one that's held responsible. Maybe it's the Urchayev. Now, third case. Bo'achar uh, velibo. All right, doesn't matter. Whichever one came first. The fire came first. The wood came first. The wood came first. The fire came first. You still need the fanning. The fanning, the blowing onto it, is what allows it to now take hold. So the one who basically like is the glue, the one that brings it together, the fire and the wood is the guy who fans. So therefore, if a third person, Reuven brought the wood, Shimon brought the fire, Levi came along and he fanned it, Levi is going to be held responsible. Now, what happens over here, the one I asked, is let's say you had all three but nevertheless, what ended up happening was Lipsa Haruach came along the wind, and the wind is what fanned it. All right? So then, Kulan Peturin, they're all considered to be Potter. Now, this is subject, there's a big Tosavis over here. There's two ways of understanding this. So let's understand what happened over here. Now, what we're saying till now is the one that's at the end, who's the gel, the one, the glue that brings it all together, that causes it into becoming a damaging fire, that's the one that is held responsible. Now, but what happens in this third case? In this third case, it's Mashma. Some guy brought the fire. I understand. It would have gone on out on its own. All right? The other guy brought the wood. Still, it would have gone out of time. The third guy fanned it, all right? Comes along the wind now and also fans it. So the chorah the, and, and, and the wind fans it, and that's what causes it now to go out and damage. No one is held responsible because the last one is the wind, and the wind you cannot hold responsible. Now, what Tosfos deals with over here, what type of wind are we talking about? Is it a Ruach Metsuya? Is it a normal wind? Or is it a Ruach She'ena Metsuya? So Tosfos has two shots. In one shot he learns, it's talking about a normal wind. That even though it's an expected wind, it's a normal wind, right? He says, nevertheless, the bottom line is that that, that, that all first three are considered to be potter. Now we have to ask ourselves, Lachara, any time we're talking about a case, other, you're not talking about a case where you go over to your neighbor's field and you light it directly, because everybody holds there, you're responsible. The case in the Torah was talking about where you lit it in your own field. Now how did it get to the neighbor's field? It was the wind balloon. So Lachara, any time you're assisted by the wind, you're still considered to be Liable. So why over here is it different that the normal wind came, according to the first Jot and Tosvos, and, 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 and all first three are considered potter. So it must be that there's a difference between if the wind is fanning it, or the wind is, or it's already considered to be a fire, but the wind transferred it. Right, you have to say over here that the first three, Tosvos shot, the first three is that what happened was, is that without, without the wind, it actually would have gone out. That's what you have to say. I mean, the first three... It was three, a dying fire. It was a dying fire. It still needed to have the wind to make it into... To the, because the wind not too much. You needed the wind for transferal. You needed the wind to actually... Uplift. Uh, uplift. And therefore, even though it's a normal wind, at the end of the day, each one on his own, it still would not have become a fire. Whereas the Torah's case is talking about you made it into a... 
a gazunta fire. The only thing the wind did is cause the transfer. A normal wind, you should expect it that the you wind can cause the transfer. And there you would be high for yes. What's the difference? The other shot holds that doesn't it? No. The reason over here is that it was a ruach she'en mitzuya. It means you lit something that the understanding was that would even if it would have caught fire, it would have only been localized, would have been for your, would not have necessarily had any impact. Comes along a ruach she'en mitzuya and transfers it over to your name. That's that's where you're going to be potter, and that's the case over here. So again, how do you learn this? Whether it's a ruach mitzuya, an mitzuya, as 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 actually as, 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 as Tremendous halachic implications, but it's going to be two different ways of learning based on the two pshat mentosus over here. Okay, let's go back to. Now, again, this, again, we're going to learn this like Rashi, but this was already a huge machlokas we had way back when, uh, in, in, in earlier in the, in, in the Masechta, right? Where was it? Uh, the machlokas by Mavaris Akotin was Dalid, uh, where is this? It was in. Dalid, uh, we had it before in Chafbeis, we had it on Nunvov. We had it on uh, tests. We had a bunch of places. Now, what was the what 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 is what is Reish Lakish say? I'm Reish Lakish, but a Mishmei de Chizki in the name of Chizki. Lo Shana Ela Shemasa Lo Gacheles is the case over here was that you handed the cotton or the Cheresh or the Shota, you handed him a coal that in and of itself this coal would have died. But what and what the what the what the Cheresh did is he blew on it caused it, therefore, to become a real fire, and then he went and burned something with it. So that's why you're potter. Aval, Masalo shall have us, but if you would have given him a torch, you would have given him an existing flame that did not require him to blow on it in order to become a fire. In such a case, Chayiv, you will be held responsible. Now, my timer, because my of Kagarmala, because there you cannot detach yourself from the damage that was made. There you are connected to the damage that was made because you gave him the damage. You gave him the potential damage, the fire. So therefore, again, so Rish Lakish holds that if you give him a coal that would have died on its own and what the Cherishot of a cotton did, he blew on it. Okay, you're not from the Lamed Vav Tzadikim, you're Chai B'din but in a court of law, they were not going to hold you a, a, a responsible. But if you gave him a, a flaming a torch, in such a case, you are going to be held responsible. Now, Ray Rashi explains this. This is, remember, this is, this is tied to the machlok as we had, is that what is the damage of fire classified as? Is the damage of fire similar to your ox that damages? Is it mamono? Or is it chitzyo? Or is it your arrows? It's like literally, it's you. It's you shooting a gun. That's what it's considered. So according to Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish considers it to be Mamono, this is the way Rashi explains it. It's considered your money. I mean, it's your ox that damages. But in order to be high, your ox that damages, you have to give an ox, right? If you just gave him the coal and it required him to blow on it, we can't say that it's your ox that you gave him because you didn't give him an ox. Why didn't you give him an ox? You, give him you, can, you, didn't give him, you didn't give him something. It's not your thing that damaged because it, he, it required him to blow on it to become a damaging thing. The damaging thing is not your damaged thing anymore, but it's your thing. It's your, it's, it's your mammon. It's your asset that is causing the fire. Now, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Afilu Masr shall have it. He says that even if you give a flame, even if you give a flame, at the end of the day, you're going to be potter. My timer, what's the reason you're going to be potter if you give a flame? Because at the end of the day, it still requires that the cheresh 
take the flame and hold it to the neighbor's grain or hold it to something in order to be able to catch. Meaning, if the, if the cherish uh, uh, stays on his own without doing any type of action, it'll burn out. So it requires his own action to do it, okay? So because tzavza the cherish garmelitz, at the end of the day, the damage is caused by the grasp of the cherish. It's the physical act, the grasp of the cherish that requires it to be done, right? Now, which means, the, the way Rashi explains it, Rabbi Yochanan considered to be your arrows. So it only can be considered to be your arrows is if you can say it's your action. But here it requires a huge action on behalf of the cherish to cause the damage. What's the huge, even though you're giving him fire, but he can only call it your arrows. Yeah, it, it, over there, you go do yeah it. That, that's it. He says, however, this has to be explained. He says, but the law of you're not going to If until you handed him, let's say you handed him the package deal. That all he has to do, you added him, the way Rashi learns uh, 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 Gavza is thorns. Rashi said something else, he said small tinder last time. Thorns, you gave him the thorns. Silta, you gave him chips of wood. Shraga, you gave him the flame. Now, in this case, all he has to do in order to create that it should go and damage is put the three together. Because you've given him the accelerator, you've given him everything. In the first case, we gave him the torch in order to cause the damage. He literally has to go over and hold it. Here he doesn't have to go over and hold it. As long as he get, puts all the three things together that you gave him in his hand, then it already gonna, it, that'll cause the fire to go ahead and happen. So that's the difference over here. So where, when you can say it's your arrows, is pretty much where he doesn't have to really do a major action. What does he have to do really? You, have, you, put, you gave him the pack together, you've got all three things together, then we can call it your action. But where the damage has to be occurred, because he doesn't have an accelerant, he doesn't really have, if he stands yeah, still. The first time, a, a, a torch that is lit with fire. Uh, yeah, but that but torch, it so would not, unless he goes over to a, something and lights it, the fire would go out. In this case, but you gave him the whole thing together, it's not gonna go out. All he, as long as he puts all three together, it's gonna become a damage end. So when is it your, so therefore, but he's disagreeing. So now you have machlogs of Yochanan and Shlok, because according to Rabbi Yochanan, he holds that it's because of your actions. As long as it's considered to be deemed your actions, your arrows, you're gonna be held responsible. According to Reish Lokish, it's considered your mammon. But in order to be your mammon, you had to have given him something that is a damaging thing. So you give him a torch, according to Reish Lokish, you gave him a damaging item. So you, it's like your ox, you gave him to watch your ox. It's the same, that has the same, you've given him something that is your, uh, is, is a damage agent. Okay, that, that, that's the machlokish, yeah. Now, let's go weiter. Gave it in the hands of somebody who's competent, then the person who's competent is responsible. Now, the, the Mishnah, that's only Vichulu, we're not focusing on that part of the Mishnah. The next part of it was that if it were, there was three people involved, so we said that the third person, if he fans it, the lead boy fanned it, so then the one who fanned it now, who causes it to be gelled, the, the, the accelerant with the fire, and now goes, the third guy is high. That was the case. Now, the one says like this, Amar of Nachmar Yitzchak, Man Detani Libo, the one that has the girsa in his Mishnah of Libo, Lo Mishtabesh, he's not making a mistake, and there was another version, an alternative version, is Detani Nibo, that has the lotion of Nibo in it, also Lo Mishtabesh. Why? Each one has a 
fire connection to it, right? What's the difference between ones with the lamed, ones with the nun. No, no. So, ma, look, let's explain. Ma'anatana libo, the one that says libo, lomishtabish, t'chsiv belabas esh. The word libo, labas esh is flames. Flames of fire. So the one who fanned it, causing it to become flames of fire. That's not a mistake. That could mean. Umandatani niba is also a mishtabash. The word niba, tirsev bore nifs of sign. The Hashem created speech of the lips. Is that niba also is that the air, when you speak, air comes out. So fanning, blowing on it, is also, you can use the word that has a, has a lips connotation to it. So either way, the idea is that you accelerated this fire by, either, by blowing on it. Now, but either you made it into flames by blowing on it, or your lips caused the air that caused it to be caused by fire. But either, ver- either version of it is, a, uh, is considered to be a, a, a valid, valid version. There is a fascinating Maritzchitz, I'm going to throw it out over here. Maritzchitz is, is one of the commentaries in the, in the Gemara. He points out that very often when the Gemara does this, there's two versions. It'll bring the version. They said there's, there was one version like this, the one, and, and that's not a mistake. There's another version like this, and it's not a mistake. Here it doesn't do it. It just assumes that you know that there are these two versions and say neither one is a mistake. So he says, if you look in your Shalmi, Yerushalmi and this Gemara, it actually says both versions. And he says, so you see that the ones who edited and wrote the Talmud Bavli had in front of them the Talmud Yerushalmi. And therefore, they didn't feel needed to go over and say it because that's the way it's in the Yerushalmi. So we don't have to use it. If you have this version, it's okay. If that version's okay. Because in the Yerushalmi, it says both versions. So they're just commenting on it. Neither one is problematic. That's, uh, that's, I just thought it fascinating that, uh, that even though there were 200, I think 200 years, Rabbi Yochanan was the editor of the Yerushalmi. Rabbi Yochanan, Eretz Yisrael. So it's called, right, it's called the Palestin- Palestinian Talmud. Right. That's what it's what referring to. All right. Talmud Yerushalmi is always right. translated as the Palestinian Talmud. And the, uh, the, the Bavli was by Rav Ina and Ravashi, was edited like two, like literally two centuries later. But they had it. They had the copy of it. They had it there. Okay. Let's go weiter. Says more weiter. It says if the wind was what fanned it, what blew onto it, and that is now what caused it to go and damage, so then all first three individuals are exempt. So now this is what we're referring to. Let's say both the parties, there was one party blew, and the other, and, and, and together with the wind. Right? So now, the, 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 the Bryson says like this, even though from our Mishnah, it's mashma all of them, it means also the guy blowing. But the Bryson, it doesn't say it explicitly. The Bryson says it explicitly, that if the, the wind blew and it was being fanned by a person at the same time, if what he is fanning had enough to cause the accelerant, to cause it to become a fire, not withstanding the, without even needing the wind, chayev, vimlav, potter. But if not, if what he was doing would not have done anything, it's really, the, you needed the wind to be able to cause it to go out and damage, then he'll be potter, which is similar to what our Mishnah had said. But the one who wants to know, we have 
a melacha on Shabbos. It's known as zora, not zareya. Zareya seeding. Zora with a hay, not with an iron, is that they used to uh, winnow. They had a certain type of implement. It was like a shovel, and they threw the grain up with a chaff. And what happened? The wind blew it out, and the 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 grain, the edible portion, would fall down. And that's one of the melachas of Shabbos. Now, what the one is asking is, you see over there that if you use the wind as a partner, you do it together with it. The halacha is your chayv and Shabbos. So therefore, why over here? Uh, is it not the same? Why over here saying is what you did on your own is uh, if, it were, if what you did on your own would not be effective, you, know, uh, you, you will not be, you'll be potter. The why don't we say is why? Well, why did it have to be that the wind is able to do it on its own? Why can't it be the fact that they're both doing something yeah. together? The same way on Shabbos, you're chayv that way. So why can't we hold that that's the way you're chayv for Nezokin too? That was the more, that's the more question. Let it be Let it be the same as the person who winners on Shabbos. That there he's liable, even though he he needed the wind. He needed the wind. Without the wind, what he did would just come straight down. So Rabbi Askinan. So there's going to be three or four different answers. They have halachic differences. Abayah says over here what we're talking about is that you're right. If what he did together with the wind is causes the damage. Then Over here we're talking about he was blowing that the fire should go in one direction. And the wind came and made it go in another direction. So clearly what he did, it, it was, was opposite of the force of the fire. In that case, Taka, you'll be Potter, because they're not working together. That's how he understands it. So Amar Abayim. Achmayaskin, we're dealing with over here, is called Shaliba Mitzad Echod, that you were blowing on one side, Vilibato Aruach, but the wind was blowing from Nitzan Acher, and that's where, in such a case, you're potter because you're actually not working with the wind, you're working against it. Rava Amar, he says like this, is the difference over here is that the Brysa is talking about, you were actually. Uh, fanning with a wind that would be it was a, was a normal wind and therefore and under that circumstances it would not have been enough to go ahead and damage the neighbor what happened was came up a ruach which was not expected and that's what caused it to go out and cause the damage so that's why in such such a case you will talk a bee Potter, because what you were doing, even with a normal wind, would, would, would not have caused the damage that it caused, only because of Rosh Hashanah That is the second answer. Third answer, Rabbi Zaira says, He's actually, we're talking about a case where the person was just breathing on it. Meaning that what he was doing, what he was blowing on it, was not even a real blowing. And therefore, in such a case, there, that's why you're not high, because the wind is doing... Everything, but if you would have really blown, and together with your blowing and the wind, it would have been able to come into a fire and taka. You would be held responsible in such a case. Just over here, what you did is so negligible. We can't say that you consider to be partnering with the wind. Rav Ashi Amar, he says like this. He says you're trying to compare this to Shabbos. You really can't compare it to Shabbos. Now let me explain outside what Rav Ashi is saying. He says by Shabbos. There is, there's certain malachas that you could argue when it comes to damages, you should be potter because they're grama. means they're indirect. For example, I put a, uh, I light a, 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 I put a pot on the fire, right? Now, 
at the time when I'm putting on the fire, it's not cooked. It takes a half an hour, 45 minutes to become cooked. So therefore, you could argue that's gromo. Why is that gromo? Because it, nevertheless, we see that when it comes to Shabbos, certain malachas, even though it's gromo, you're held responsible because the malacha, Shabbos, that's what the, that's what the Torah defines as malacha for Shabbos purpose at Yerchayev, even though it involves grama. We know by Nezakin that if it's grama, then you're considered to be potter. So he says, you can't ask me a kasha. He said, how come by the Zohar, Yerchayev, even though it's, even though you're not doing it, you're requiring the wind to go ahead and do it, Zohorah, so therefore there Yerchayev's over here, why if the wind is doing it, should you be potter? Because over here by Nezokin, there is a ptur of Gromo. Whereas by what defines Malacha, there's not necessarily an exemption of grom. Again, what was the question? The question was, is that by Shabbos we see that even though what you're doing on your own would not have accomplished anything, comes along the wind and helps you do it, you're high for it. So why don't we say the same thing by Nezokin? He says, by Nezokin, it's still considered indirect. And indirect by Nezokin, you're potter. Whereas indirect by Shabbos, by defining certain malachas, indirect doesn't make you potter. You're still high because that's the Torah's machai for those kind of malachas. So you cannot compare what you see by Shabbos to what you see by Nezokin. That's the point that was answered. He says like this. He says like this, and, and, and it, the way he explains it is as follows. The Torah was more, in, by, by the Torahs, where it says, when you learn from the Mishkan, what was your intent? Your intent is to winnow. Your intent is to cook. Ah, it's happening in somewhat of an indirect manner. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, your, 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 the outcome is what you intended, even if it's an indirect way. Now, it's not completely by everything, because there is a tour of Gromo on Shabbos, right? But it means we're defining certain malachas. By defining certain malachas, so therefore there is a concept of, even though it's Gromo, you're still going to be high because the intent is what is mechai of you. Whereas, when it comes to Nezokin, Gromo is not going to be mechai of you. Even though you might be you're not doing the right thing, but it, you have to be a much more direct, attributable act in order to be considered. So if the wind is what's doing it, and it's not done through your actions, in such a case, we are not going to exempt you from the... I'm sorry, so we are, we are, we are going to hold you, we're going to exempt you because of the laws of Gromo. Right. Now, which means, and in terms of making the fire we're talking about over here, means once the fire has been made, and it's a Ruach Metsuyo, you are chai, that's the case of the Torah. You made a fire that with a normal wind can go and damage and you are considered to be, because you made that, that it's attributable to your fire, either because of arrows, either because of, uh, oh, what's his name, uh, Imamono. All right, we had, that's the Surya before in Davav, how do you understand a chafez? All right, let's go weiter. This is just about Ashen's disagreeing, so, but the other three opinions maybe not disagree. Yeah, no, I'm saying, there, are, there could be halachic differences between these opinions. You have to, but you have to go through it. So I'm going to so you now sent forth a fire, so you lit a fire and you weren't careful with it, and now it went into your neighbor's field. However, you know, Ahla ate him. Now, if it consumed wood, I understand that's what fires normally burn. But also, or Avonim, but it scorched the stones of your neighbor, or even Afar, his uh, furrows, it scorched the furrows of his field. Chayev, even though some of those things are not the norm. 
of what a fire would normally burn, you're still held responsible. Why? Because the Buzzard says, when a fire goes out, and it finds thorns, and a stack of grain had been consumed, or a comma, or standing grain. Gadish is a piled grain, so a comma, standing grain, or the field, the entire field. Shalom, Yeshalom, Avers, Abiero, the one who caused the fire, who kindled the fire, has to pay. Now, how do you see from there that if you cause stones into the earth, you're chayev, we're going to have to wait until the Gemara. Amarava. So Rava says like this. He says, why does the Torah have to specify all of these cases that are mentioned in the Pesach, right? Lamali, the cause of Rachmana, coats him thorns. Gadish is stacked grain. Kama is standing grain. Soda, field. Why does it have to mention all those four? It's necessary. Because if the Torah would have written Kotsim, it means like this, you lit the fire on your property, and it was next to the boundary, then on the other side of the boundary was your neighbor's, that's the way the Gemara is understanding it, and it was your neighbor's thorns. So I said, you know why you chayev? Because thorns generally is used as an accelerant, and it's very easy to catch fire. So I would hold it. In such a case, you're negligent, and therefore you're chayev. Right, maybe that's the case with Torah's Machai of you because you're negligent. Because that's normally fire, thorns are used as accelerant for fire. And therefore, it is easy to be negligent with it. However, a stack of grain. That's not the norm. The stack of grain is not something normally without an accelerant that fire is going to catch hold of. So you might have thought that you did on your side of the, the, of the fence, uh, on, on the boundary, and it went onto his side of the boundary and caught, got hold of his grain without an accelerant. Maybe, what do you think? A talk in such a case. Maybe a potter. Maybe it's an onus. It's not as common to find fire by them. It's not considered negligent. So Ema, I would say that maybe uh, you would not be chayev. So that's why you have to write Gaddish. Ah, if you chai for Gaddish, then why do you have to write Kotsim? I would say it's like this. You know why you're chai by a Gaddish? Because that's a, that's, a, that's a significant damage that you caused someone. That's considered significant. Gaddish is, is, is a stack of grain. Stack grain. Aval Kotsim, however, thorns... His, his thorns on the other side of the, uh, of, of, of the boundary, the Hefzid Mu'ad, is only an insignificant, it's a small amount of damage causing him. Amelo, I would not think you would not be chayev. That's why you also have to write Kotsim. Now, unless the commentaries all ask the question, he says like this, I don't understand. What difference does it make the... Uh, if you're damaging your neighbor, what difference does it make if you cause them a $10,000 damage or you cost them a $5 damage? Either way, you cause them damage. Why would I have thought I don't have to pay if it, if, if it damaged his thorns, right? So, right, everyone hear the question. If it would have only wrote, uh, if it would have written uh, uh, piled grain, I understand you have to pay. It's like this, because you could think that the level of Shmira necessary. The level of level of responsibility is commensurate to what the value of whatever the value of what he has next. So you might have thought, yeah, he's got ten thousand dollars worth of grain on the other side of the boundary. You need to set your setback should be thirty feet, right? My high level shmira. But for thorns, you might have thought, maybe I don't need why? Because at the end of the day, it's only affecting him five dollars. Kamash malan, the same level of shmira that you require. 
For the God is, you also require for the Kotzim. That's the Pshad over here. The the guy who lit the fire. He has to have the same safeguards. You would have thought maybe not. Maybe the safeguard that he has, that he's required for the thorns, is not as great because the damage is not as great. And therefore, don't hold him liable if he didn't have as much of a great. No, it doesn't matter. The same safeguards require. Whatever Mechaev for the. Grain, you'll be high for the Kotzim as well. That's why it has to write both. Now, the next term in the verse was a comma. Why did it have to say standing grain? It already said thorns and it already said uh, uh, stacked grain. Why does it have to say standing grain? Lamali. Ma kama begole, avkol begole. This is a Kama means something that you can see. Things that are hidden. Thing that is, is hidden within the grain, your potter from, tamun. This teaches you, the reason why it says common to teach you your potter for tamun. Because if a guy has vessels hidden in the grain, and you made a fire and it burnt his grain and the vessels hidden within, you only have to pay for the grain, you don't pay. What teaches you that? Because comments, I mean, something that stands up that is visible. So therefore, I says the one that only goes like the Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda held that you're chayiv even for vessels. So how do you explain it according to Rabbi Yehuda? Says the Gemara, Ula Rabbi Yehuda. What about the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda, the Mechayiv Aniske Talmud, that holds you chayiv for Talmud? So the Talmud Beish. So Kamalamali, what do you do with the word Kama? He says, L'Rav is called Balakoma. He says, Come to teach me anything that has stature. Anything that you that, that stands up off the ground, it's you're chayiv. Anything that's valuable on the so ground, Rabbi that's Rabbi Yehuda's sheet. Now that's important. Because how do you know everything according to Chachamim? If they're using it to tell me to tell me things that are visible, but how do you know it means anything that stands off the ground? Maybe it's only things associated with a field, right? How do you know anything? So when it says like there's Rabbonon, how do you know Lerab is called by like coma, anything that is stands off the ground? How do you know that you're Chayiv? When it says, the, the word says, oh hakama, it could have said vikama. Why do I have to say oh hakama? The word oh is extra. So therefore, that's why it says it. So when it says, the Chorah of Rabbi Yehuda, what does he do with that? The Chorah, what does he do with that oh hakama? So he says like this, he says, no, omi boyle lechalak, you need that oh. Because if you would have said vehakama, it could have been a, a, a conjunction that you're only chive if these things together are damaged. But how do you know individually? You need the word oh, not the word ve. So when it says Rabbanon says lechalik minale, how do you know to divide it? So when it says nafgalei o asada, use two o's. One you could say is necessary to show that each one is independent. Why do you need the next one? The next one's to show you that it's even things that are uh, standing. Anything that's standing. What about Rabbi Yehuda? Why do you have the word two o's? One you need, I understand, to show you that each one individually. But why do I need the second one to tell me that it is uh, that you don't need it twice? So Rabbi Yehuda, I did the cause of Rachmana Ohakama since it needed Ohakama. So therefore, for congruency purposes, cause of consistency was Ohasodin. Okay. Now we so far we've shown that Yerchayim according to Chachamim for thorns equally with 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 grain. Standing grain is either coming to teach me uh, 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 anything that's off the ground according to Yehuda, and the Chachamim use Ohakama to teach me that, and also according to Chachamim it's something that's visible as opposed to something that is hidden. But now our Mishnah said one more thing: Yerchayim for things that not normally you would think that the fire burns stones. Or the furrows or the soil. So what do you have to have sada? That's the last thing in there. Sada. What do you have to tell me? You're high for the field. What is that coming to add, right? So sada lamali. That's what's coming to you. That's coming to you to exclude lachachah. That if it's 
to include. What is coming to include? That if it's singed or scorched, Nero, the plowed field, or Sikhzacho, or it's singed, the Avonim, these are, that's what Sada. Sada means actually the physical field itself, not things growing in the field. I already know that. It's, it's even it's the actual field itself, you're going to be chive on that. Now, says the Gemara, then just write that. If you're chive for those things, for sure you're chive. For anything else that's in, in words, the field. Word Sada. Just write the word Sada. Just write the word Sada. And if it teaches you, you chive on the stones and you chive on the. Everything. Everything. You don't need the other ones. Where it says no, because if you only wrote the word sada, I would have said it means things that normally grow in the field, the stacked grains, but not, but not, but but not the 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 only reason I can use the word sada to teach me the scorching of the the ground and the scorching of the stones is because I know all the other things already. That's why I can use sada. But sada on its own would not necessarily have taught me that message. So it says the Gemara like this: Tzricha, it's necessary. Only what's in the field, but other things such as the ground itself, not. That's why you read the other things. So I already know grain, and I already know standing grain, and I know cut grain, and other things off the ground. So therefore, what is it therefore? That's now I can teach me the furrows and the stones, etc., etc. Okay. So the more as follows. Now we're going to have a little bit of a gadget. That uh, unfortunately tragedies and, 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 and punishment don't come to the world. It's because there are wicked people in the world. However, the ones who get punished first, the ones to go first, are the righteous people. And what's the raya? Shanemar, it says, when fire goes out, fire is the punishment, and it finds the thorns. Now, who are the thorns? The wicked people. When there's thorns, that's when the fire goes out. Now, but how do you know it starts with with, with, with the righteous? Because it says, It doesn't say, It doesn't say, burn the thorns and then it burns the, the grain. It says, And grain is, it was already eaten. The, means it's mashma that the grain came was burnt before the thorns. The thorns is what precipitates their being. The fire. But what gets burnt first? The grain. And who's the grain? That refers to the tzaddikim. There's a drush on the posing. It says, it doesn't say after the thorns, and then the Gaddish. It says, it doesn't say that, the Gaddish was burned first, before the thorns. The thorns are what causes the fire to come, but they didn't know. When it says, taught the same idea in a bride. What does it mean in the posse? It says, that the Jews should not leave their entrances of the house uh, until the morning. That was when the in Mitzrayim by Marcus Bechoros. Don't leave until morning. Comes to tell me that when the damaging force has been given permission to go on and damage, then nobody should go out because it's not going to make a discernment between the right. And not only that, it's actually the tzaddikim will be the ones that get zapped first. Pazuk says in Yechesko that I will 
cut down the righteous and the wicked. But who does it mention first? The tzaddik. So when Rabbi Yosef taught this, I guess he had a Masorah from the surprise of Bochi cried. He said, so he says, Tivusa hula gabayu. I'm sorry, kola hai, my nami le'en domen. He says, you work so hard to become a righteous person and it's like worthless. At the end of the day, you, you, you go first. So Amalei uh, Abayah, his Talmud, Rabbi said to him, he says, that's actually a benefit for the tzaddikim. Why is it a benefit to the tzaddikim? Because when you have all this tragedy going on, Hashem doesn't want to get them to see it. We see that where by Avram Avinu, uh, right? That he right, should he not see. Five years before. Yes, five years, five years. That because of the evil, Hashem gathers in the tzaddik first. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, I'm a Rav. Where he says like this, We had this in Psochim, different posts, for what is right. But you should go into your uh, hotel, or into your home, when it's Kitov. Kitov is the expression when there was light. Hashem saw the light, and said Kitov. I only go out the next morning, Kitov. Seems to be my closest Russian toast, whether it means Amr Shachar, or whether it means Neitzachama. But Shanemar, Atem Loisetsu, Ishmi Pesach Beso Ad Boker. Don't go out until the morning. You have to wait for Kitov, wait for the light. Tanra Rabban, we learned in Abraisa. Dever beir, if there is plague in the city, kanes raglacha, take your feet, go indoors. Don't hang outside, you'll get infected. Stay indoors. Don't go out until the morning. You should stay indoors. For Omri, another positive says, My nation, go and hide behind closed doors. Shut the doors behind you. For Omri, have a third positive says, That outside bereavement is caused by the sword. Indoors, you will be afraid. There will be dread. So therefore, like this, so we have three psukim that are somehow teaching us the same message. Stay indoors when there's plague. Stay indoors when there's damages, when these damages, when the, when the, when the mashchis is going on outside. So Maiva Omer, what exactly, why do we need the three psukim? Now you might think that generally a mashchis is more powerful at night. So at night, stay indoors, but by day, you can go out. It's not a problem. Next passage. Go into your rooms and close the door behind you. That's even by day. That's, oh, maybe that means where there's no fear indoors. I mean, let's say people are dying indoors as well. So therefore, maybe it doesn't help anymore to go Indoors, if people are down outside, people are down inside, so maybe then there's no Indian to stay indoors. Where there's a dread of people dying indoors as well. It's still better to be around people. There's a protection of being together with people. Even though, so therefore, even though people are dying indoors, it's still better to be indoors around people than being outdoors on your own. It's better to stay indoors. Toshima, come and listen. Mechutz the shakel cherem mechadim ema, and that's what the last part that pasuk is teaching me is that it's, uh, that you know, even though there's bereavement outside with a sword and indoor mm. people are dreading because people are dying. Aval gav de mechadorim ema, even though there is dread uh, in the in the in the, in the indoors because people are dying. Mechutz the shakel cherem, it's that the, the the sword of bereavement is still stronger outside. Stay indoors. You have the protection of being around people as well. Ra rava beidan rizcha when there was a time of I mean, it was a time of plague. Have a kavi. He would board up his windows. Pazuk says that death comes through our windows. He would board up the windows. Tan Rabban we learned in a brisa. Rav ba'ir. When there is famine. 
So they're unlike plague. Plague, it says, what do you do when there's plague? Go indoors. When there's famine, head out of the city. Don't stay in that city. Stretch out your feet. Means run away. We see by Avram Avinu, when there's, even in Eretz Yisrael, Ramban actually said there was a sin that he left Eretz Yisrael. But yet the more is bringing it. What happened when Avram, there was, a, there was a famine? What did he do? He left. Right? Now, the Omer also says, Now, the Mora brings another raya. There were four Mitzrayim. They were living in the, Jew- they were in the Jewish camp, and there was famine. They were being surrounded by Ar- Aram. Aram was attacking them to destroy them. And they said, listen, with these four, the four lepers said that if we are going to stay in the camp, we're going to die of hunger. Let's just fall uh, at, at, to the mercy of Aram. Maybe they'll feed us. Maybe we'll survive. So they left where they were, went out of the Jewish camp. They went to the Ar- Aramean camp for, to, to, for mercy. So Moses says like this. Again, you see, you're supposed to leave where you are when there is a famine. So it says like this. It said, they said that, that they said at least they let us go to this. Uh, uh, let us, uh, why should we die here? So let's go and uh, enter the city. Let's enter their camp. So if we stay in the city, we're going to die. So let's go out and go to their camp. So Maiva Omer, why do you need the second pause? You already have Avram Avinu. So Moses is like this. Avram Avinu was not going into a situation where even though the Mephorshim asked Taki, he was, because they were threatening him there too, but he was not going to a situation on face, at, at face value that he's putting himself into a Suffolk Nefosha that he might get killed where he's going. But these guys were going against to the enemy. You see that even if you, if you have famine in the city, you should even go into a situation where it's a suffix nefashos, you might end up getting killed. It's still better than staying in the city when there is famine. Maybe you can only run away from the city where you're going to a place where you're not risking your life. But where you're going to a place where you're risking your life, lo, maybe you shouldn't run there. And they were doing that. You can even do that to risk your life, to get away from famine. You can go let fall on the uh, to the camp of Aram because if they lead it, let us live at least we'll live and not die of hunger over here Tanrabana we learned in a brisa Dever Be'ir, if there is a plague in the city, Al Yahalach Anam Emtsaderach, don't walk in the middle of the road. That the Malach Amavas, when this plague, the Malach Amavas hangs out in the middle of the road. Once he's been given permission to kill indiscriminately, he goes publicly, he walks in the middle of the street, head held high. He proceeds out and he goes and walks out in the open. Shalom Be'ir, when there's peace in the city, it's better not to walk on the sides of the street, it's better to walk in the middle of the street. Why? Because the Malcham does not have a right to kill indiscriminately. He hides in the shadows, he hides on the sides of the street. Don't walk on the sides. We learned in a Brysa, Devra Be'ir, where there's plague in the city. Don't walk into a shul alone. He puts his tools there. He keeps the things that he uses to kill people with in this. He keeps it in the show. Why? Something to think about. But But if it's a shul, it's only where children are not studying. Young children. You don't have 10 people davening. But in a shul where there's young people studying and 10 people davening, the Malachamah is not allowed to leave his vessels there. And then you can even come with a yachid into the shul. You don't have to worry about him being there. If you hear dogs crying, 
It's a sign that the angel of death is coming to the city. If you hear dogs laughing, dogs rejoicing, so it's a sign that Mashiach is coming. is coming to the city. That's only if there are no female dogs in the area. Female dogs in the area, that then you can't bring any proof from the noises that they are making. Oh, gentlemen, stop over here.